welcome to Interactions with Reality. This is Season 2, Episode 9. And tonight uh, I was out gardening and there was a deer. And the deer was within 10 feet of me. And just kind of eating my garden and, and enjoying my garden and all that sort of thing. And so I tossed a bucket at it, uh, empty bucket, and it, it ran off. But um, the deer are getting really bold and... They, they're taking advantage of my garden. Um, they're, they're eating a lot of my stuff. And they ate a really nice Korean melon that I had grown. And they just been decimating my my mulberry trees and different things like that. Just, they're, they're it's like a giant rat out in the garden. Um, so, I see them and I talk to them sometimes, you know, and tell them to get out of here and all this sort of thing. And, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for uh, for hunting season to roll around. And then I'm probably going to eat that deer. It's a, a doe in particular. One in particular. Uh, there are multiple deer that frequent my garden, but one doe in particular that has decided that it's her her garden to to eat freely on so that's a little obnoxious and I'm not sure what all I can do exactly about it but I do know that one step I can take is to put up a fence and so I've got I've got some fencing I've got some poles I just redid the property line up front where I basically just attached a line to a point where I knew it was part of the property line and then just ran that line all the way down to the end and so now I've got a line that, that specifies exactly where I can lay down my fence and all that sort of thing. So I've got some hog wire. I'm going to double it up so it'll be it'll be about six foot tall. I know deer can jump um, up to eight feet, I think it is. I think they can clear an eight foot fence. But I'm going to start with this. And, and if they still find them in my garden after I've got it all fenced in, then I'll just go ahead and... and tack a little board on each one of the posts and then throw like a single line of barbed wire or something just to discourage them from trying to make the jump. Um, something along those lines. Uh, normally I try to just ping on like around outside different spots so that way it's like marking my territory. But uh, in this case, the deer just don't care at all. <laughs> they... they they just see it as, hey, this is something nice where I can get something, you know, some nice mulberry leaves to munch on and whatever else, melons and whatever else he's got laying around. So so once the deer have, have uh, you know, taken that stance with you, it's, it's a little hard to convince them to move along uh, on a permanent basis. So I guess maybe I'd need to be a little meaner to the deer. And I don't like being mean to animals, so... I don't know. I I tolerate that a lot more than I probably should, but I probably need to like yell at them more and maybe chuck different things at them and I don't know, like some rocks or something. Something that's not going to hurt them that bad, but get them to move along. Um, once hunting season rolls around, I'll just put them in my freezer and that'll be that. So I guess uh, in the in the end, I I get something out of it. Um, yeah, there are uh, a lot of uh, my basil plants. Sorry, I'm I'm a little tired right now, but uh, which is usual for when I make these podcasts. But anyway, I was I was gonna say I have a lot of these basil plants 
not like a lot, a lot, but I've got several basil plants and they're very full and very big. And I trimmed one of them back and it was enough to fill the entire dehydrator. So I'm dehydrating the basil leaves. And then the goal is to, um, once they're all dehydrated, I'll put them all in a bowl and then basically just kind of crunch them up and get them separated off the stem and all that sort of thing. And then from there, they'll go into the coffee grinder. And then from there, they'll go into a shaker. And then from there, that'll go into my spice cabinet. And it'll probably get used up in a week or two. <laughs> so it's uh, we we really mow through quality herbs when we cook. We I, I often like to put um, probably a lot more herbs than, than the average person. I probably have over a t- over a tablespoon per um per meal or something like that. I really like to cook with fresh herbs and my wife does too. It also goes really nice in breads and different things. Maybe not basil, but um like rosemary bread is really good and stuff like that, but I don't think I'm going to have enough rosemary to dry for that this season around or this year, but um by next year I should have rosemary bushes that are well established um got i think three rosemaries from the store and then like plants and then uh and then i got some there's a nearby town up the road and i basically there's somebody growing a rosemary like right on the corner where it kind of overlaps the road and so I went through there and I just cut off a couple pieces of it since it was sticking out of the, over the road. And then uh, I cloned those pieces and that's that's where I've got some of my rosemary from. And this year I've been cloning uh, a bunch more rosemary. So I have probably 10 plants by now, um, which is really nice. And I hope to get them to the point where they're like a hedge, like a bush, maybe waist higher or greater. Um, not sure exactly how tall they get. They get pretty big. But once they get big to where they have woody stems, I can take those woody stems and make shish kebabs. And it's supposed to work really well. I've heard really good things. Um, so yeah, I'm, I've been looking forward to rosemary shish kebabs for some time. I think it'll be next year that I'll get to to realize that dream. Um, the sage is kind of doing a little bit of rough, uh, a little bit rough this time around. Uh, the Malabar spinach is taking off like mad. Uh, I eat that. My wife doesn't like it. Um, she says it tastes like mold. I don't think it tastes like mold, but it does kind of remind me of a pond, <laughs> but it's mucinogenic, uh, which has like, means it has like a slime in it. And I've heard, here's a random tip on, you can take a mucinogenic plant and you put it in the blender and then you blend it and the, the mucus helps to grab solids out of the water and then they'll all sink down to the bottom or whatever. And then um, it can like purify your water to some degree. That's what I heard. I don't know. I haven't really tried it. So, uh, yeah, I can't really speak to that, I guess, too much. Um, the male shack is coming along nicely. I'm to the point where I'm out of straw again. Well, almost out of straw enough to where I need to get more straw before I mix more cement. 
but I'm doing this, uh, basically I took four landscaping timbers that are pressure treated and I sank them in the ground about two foot deep. And then I put a galvanized six foot, uh, chain link fence around them. Um, only around three sides. I left the fourth side open. I'm probably going to close up about half of the fourth side, but you know, I, I'll, I'll do that later. But the idea is to make a, a place where they can come and pick up my packages without me having to go down to the post office every day to drop them off or almost every day. But I've been doing this thing where I, I do waddle and daub, which if you're not familiar with that, it's typically made with like cow dung or you maybe some maybe some mud or different things like that too. But but cow dung is a pretty popular one and you mix it with the straw, not hay, straw, and then like a wheat straw or something like that. And then when when you have it to a consistency to where it binds on the straw, but um it's still like you you just don't want it falling off the straw basically once it binds to the straw good then you you take your chain link in this case but well i'm doing it different i'm just telling you how it goes in the first place but but basically you put like a little handful of it in between each of the holes and it makes like a mud hut kind of thing um you make a lattice work and you you can put your your daub uh all through there um, which I think that things are called your waddle. So that's, that's where the name comes from. But, but anyway, and then when it dries out, it becomes really hard and you got yourself a wall and everything's good. So that's an old method. I probably butchered the description, but whatever. Um, so I decided to improve upon the method. And so I'm mixing cement, like a sand mix, um, and I, I take that and I mix in maybe a third of the bag of Portland cement. It's like a 90-pound bag. Uh, I've also got mortar mix, which I plan on experimenting with as well. And then once I get that consistency where it binds on the straw very nicely, uh, I still use straw and I just weave it through the chain link fence and I'm filling you know, systematically so it makes a wall. And so that way I have a concrete wall that's insulated because the, the straw... Um, makes like a R value of some sort. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, so I can get more straw for free. That's another cool thing about it is Lowe's and Home Depot, they have these trucks that sit out in the parking lot and they have one that has pine straw and one that has regular straw and they sell these things by the barrel or by the, by the bale. Um, but a lot of it falls just outside of the truck, like a substantial amount. Like you could go there and get a couple trash bags full kind of thing. And so you go and you talk to the employees rather than just take it, talk to the employees. And if they give you the green light, you can pack up several, you know, trash bags full of straw. And that sure beats paying eight bucks a, a bale. And in each bale, um, yeah. Pretty much you're going to get more in the trash bag than you would get in a bale, just about. Um, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, let's see what else has been going on right here. I'm, I'm almost to the point where I want to start working on the front porch, but 
I've just been so slammed with everything. Um, that front porch thing's kind of been put on the back burner for a really long time. I have a bunch of baby food jars that I need to to wash out. Um, I know the neighbor gave us a bunch that that were already kind of like washed out, but I have a bunch that aren't washed out as well, and so I need to wash them out. And then uh, I can use those for a bunch of different things. They're they're really handy little containers, really good for if you have a, a few screws or a few little nails or different things like that. Um, it can be really great for organizing, you know, that that kind of debris. Speaking of, if you have like tools and let's say a screwdriver that's rusty, here's a random tip for you. You can stab the ground repeatedly with the screwdriver or the machete or the whatever it is that's rusty, and it, it takes the sands the rust right off. It literally sands because the ground sand, so it sands the 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 rust right off of the tool. And that's a quick, easy way to to wash your tools of the rust and keep them in good working order doesn't work as well with some tools obviously but um but yeah in general that's how I, how I do and you can take a bunch of screws and different things like that that are rusty and you can put them in a bucket with some sand and just shake it a bunch and that'll help sand off a lot of the rust off the screws and then from there it's just a matter of pouring it through a, a sifter you know like a wire mesh or something like that and and voila, uh, greatly reduced rust. <laughs> and then you can you can always hit it with a little rust-oleum after that or whatever um, just to seal the deal. But uh, let's see. Speaking of cleaning things with the ground, um, there are like grass clods that, you know, where it's a, like a taller grass and it's not necessarily bound up with a bunch of other grasses. You can pull one of those out, and it makes a great little scratcher pad. And so when you're out there camping, or here I am talking about camping. Ah, anyway, uh, it's a useful school skill, and I use it even when I'm not camping sometimes. But basically, if you have a dish that um, needs scrubbed really well, uh, you pull out one of these clods, and it's got a bunch of sand and stuff on the roots, and you use it like a, like a scrub brush. And then at the end, you can discard it. And it works really well. Um, I've been doing that for a while. It's really like using the earth to 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 do different things like that. Um, it's just one of those things that's really handy. <laughs> when I lived a little a little closer to the land outside a lot more and all that sort of thing, I would frequently you know cut papaya stems and different things and and make my own chopsticks and. Um, make my own plates out of various pieces of like a banana plant or different things and it would just save on half another dishes and it was just convenient to to have everything be disposable and readily available so a lot less to buy um there's this all right so money money is the middleman right and a lot of people are really trying hard to get the middleman. And the middleman helps you get the things in life you want or need and helps you pay the bills and all that sort of thing. But if you think about it, 
what are the bills? You know, okay, so the middleman is paying the electric bill. The middleman is paying the water bill. But if you could get the electric without the middleman, you'd you'd probably want to do it <laughs> if it was if it was feasible, you know. And then same with the water. You just want to just get the water for free if you can without the middleman. Or, you know, you could do something else to, to get it without having to have the middleman. Um, but, yeah, anytime you can cut the middleman out of the equation, it's normally good. So if you can do a lot more bartering and stuff like that, that really, really can go a long way toward, you know, simplifying your life altogether. Because if you have less bills, you can have more freedom because bills are like a treadmill, right? And the more you have, it's like the greater the speed on the treadmill. So some people have so many bills that they're practically running on this treadmill and they can't really just stop and get off because then everything comes crashing down around them. So if you can set up your life to where the middleman is excluded as much as possible and that that number that you have to pay to make it happen, the, the lights, camera, action... If you can get that number as small as possible, then it gives you a lot more options for freedom uh, as far as being able to actually just pick up and go on vacation for a month or two and be cool with it, you know, or whatever else it is. I think that there's there's uh, this slavery to lifestyle that I see and have been a part of and I'm currently a part of to some degree, I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess we're all a part of it to some degree. Uh, well, most of us at least. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things where I don't like being on the treadmill. I, I don't like, I don't like it being where if I stop, you know, if I need rest, if I need to help my friends out, if I need to be there for my family, I can't because I'm on this treadmill and I got to do this thing so that way we can make it happen. And it, I've, I've seen people waste their entire lives. I, I say waste, but it's just like literally selling their time to various, you know, places of employment. And it's not that working's bad. I, I advocate for working. I'm, I'm a fan of working. Uh, I'm a hard worker, but it's just one thing where you're working because you want to work. And it's another thing where you're working because, you know, you have to, to survive. And, and, uh, I guess both are good to their, you know, to some degree, but when it's like costing you your family and it's costing you your friends and your kids are growing up and they don't know you because you're at work all the time, then it's like, okay, well, maybe you got to reevaluate the situation because, in the end of your life, what are you gonna what are you gonna be happy about all the time you spend at the office or or all the adventures that you had, you know? Like you gotta get out there and, and actually live life, um, I think, if you wanna have a good quality life that's um that's full. I know some people that can still work, you know, 50, 60 hour weeks and all that stuff. And they still have time for family and friends and, and all this other stuff. 
they don't get a whole lot of sleep, <laughs> which is cool. Uh, for some people, they can handle that. Um, but the other thing is, it, it's just, they're very few and far between the people that can pull that off. Uh, there's a lot more people that have lopsided lives on account of it. And it's just, I don't know. It's not for me to, I guess, be on that treadmill forever. I mean, I don't mind acquiring some some money here and there. It's a nice middleman to have. Uh, The middleman can get you all kinds of things, but whenever I can avoid the middleman, I try to. (laughs) And I recommend doing that if you want a simpler, happier life. Um, I guess I've been thinking a lot. I've been watching videos on like the Appalachian Trail and the PCT and all that, Pacific Crest Trail and all that. There's just, I guess, memories of living out of a backpack that it was such a simple life. So it's just, it's easy to miss that sort of lifestyle and that just that traveling, the freedom and the you know, being able to literally just go wherever the wind blows and and be cool with it, you know, it's, um, it's hard to go back to society after you've done that. It's, it's hard to just get locked back into the grind. And when you know that's out there and you know, you could just up and leave at any time and go adventuring and, and everything would just work out somehow. Like, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's, uh, I miss it a lot. Um, I, I know I'm supposed to be here where I'm at, which helps a lot. Uh, I, I'm still on like, um, like my life purpose and all that sort of thing. I feel like I'm right where God wants me to be and all that. But at the same time, every now and then I look up and I miss it and, uh, so I guess I'm reminiscing and, and babbling on about it. So anyway, 22 minutes in, I guess that's good enough for a podcast for tonight. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and end it here. Have a great day, everyone, and have a better tomorrow.